Okay, so the very first thing that I want to say is I am so sorry to all of my listeners. So sorry to you guys for taking so long to post a new episode, but so much has been going on. Um, I'm currently recording this episode from my bed because I'm just so exhausted. But I said to myself, it's quiet now, the kids are asleep, and I kind of need to just take advantage of the quietness that's going on right now um I am exhausted I am so so exhausted now I usually record my episodes and then give it a day or two and then go back and edit just so that I have like just a fresh perspective on what I want the episodes to sound like um so I had recorded an episode and then I think the very next day um, ACS was at my house because of a false claim. Um, yeah, they sent an investigator to my house just to like look around and kind of investigate the false claim that was going on because they do have to do their job. But she told me like right away that it would be unfounded. Um, just things that were in the claim didn't make any sense. So, yeah. Once that happened, I kind of like, I just wanted to focus on my kids and just my kids and um, also been getting ready for the holidays. Um, Yeah, so once that happened, um, I kind of just focused on the kids and a few days went by, well, more than a few days went by, actually. Um, like a couple weeks went by, um, just because I was like, so concerned about what was going on with my kids and just trying to make sure that all of my focus was on them and just in the right places, you know, um, as a mom, you kind of like, you always want to make sure that you're doing the best by them and then you kind of worry about yourself. So yeah, after that happened, um, yeah, it took a few weeks, um, and I finally, like, edited this episode and posted it. So, this is actually an insert, this piece right here that you're listening to, um, and I think I'm going to actually put this in before I even put the intro, um, music in, because I try to just be as real as possible, and I try to keep things as raw and as fresh as possible, yeah. Um, so I had actually recorded this episode weeks prior to me editing it and posting it. Um, I just want to ask you guys to bear with me. Like things are just, you know, life is crazy. And again, I'm kind of doing this alone, not completely alone. I have my sister and my brother, but besides them, it's just me, you know, with the everyday day-to-day things that are going on. So sometimes, like, I really just need a moment to kind of, like, focus, regroup, you know, or even just focus on just my kids and then kind of get back to myself and the things that I do to, um, you know, just make it through the day to process and things like that. So please, you guys, if if you ever notice that there's, you know, a while in between episodes, more than likely there's something going on. And I will always, you know, um, put that in, in the very next episode, exactly what's going on, why it's taking me so long to upload. 
Um, Again, I appreciate all of my listeners and I thank you guys for your patience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Just Talking. And today I will literally just be talking about my shelter experience. Yeah, being homeless and living in a New York City shelter. Um, But before we jump into that, I just want to give an update from the last episode that I posted. Um, A lot has been going on since then. Uh, keep my dad's car or buy my own car or what I was going to do with that. Um, so what ended up happening was I ended up not being able to like settle with my dad's, uh, bank that he financed his car through. So, um, because of not being able to settle, I ended up just like finding a car Um, on the street and buying it from a private owner which turned out to be way cheaper um which it always is if you can find like a really decent car that's the trick like finding a decent car making sure like there's nothing really wrong with it so um when I found the car I actually took it to my dad's old mechanic and he checked the car out he was like yeah it's in like really good condition for the year that it is um so I was able to find a vehicle for a really good price in really good condition. Um, so yeah, that's how that worked out. Uh, and picture day with the kids was like pure chaos naturally. Uh, <laughs> like the day before I took my son to get a haircut, that was like chaotic because I didn't have cash on me. And um I had to figure out, I was going to leave the barbershop to go get cash while my son was in the chair. And then the guy was like, oh, we take, um, what do you say? I think he said we take Zelle or we take cash up, whichever app, uh, that he did accept was not working on my phone because it wasn't updated. Cause I don't really send people cash very often and people don't send me cash often. So whatever app he was using, it wasn't working. So I had to download the app. And then inside the barbershop, there was like no Wi-Fi. Like it was just so like, it was so crazy and chaotic. Um, but I think like after like 20 minutes, I figured out, you know, how to get it downloaded. And then I sent the guy, you know, the payment for my son's haircut. Um, then after that, like the girls both needed their hair and my son actually, because he just gets a shape up, but he has hair on his head. So everyone had to get their hair washed, blow dried, flat iron, and then braided. So I was up all night. The kids were up all night the night before they were like tired. I want to go to sleep and, you know, trying to get their hair done. It was like pure chaos, but the pictures hopefully came out really great. Um, their outfits were really nice and, They were all like color coordinated um, just in case they were able to get a group shot, which I don't think that they were. I called the school. They said they weren't able to get one. Um, But if they would, then it would be in uh, my oldest child's packet. So we'll see. We'll see if they got the group picture. Probably not, but we'll see. Um, So yeah, that has been like pure chaos. And then also I've been trying to redo my office where I record my podcast. So um I've been like moving things around, uh, rearranging things, putting some things 
in the closet, taking some things out. I also have a lot of my dad's like instruments and things like that. And a lot of his equipment is what I use for my podcast. Um, so I've been like trying to find ways to like rearrange the office, make it more spacious and, you know, just more comfortable. Um, so I've been doing that also. And yeah, that's what's been going on since the last episode. Um, pretty hectic, but you know, every day, day to day. Yeah, so that's what's been going on since the last episode, and you guys are pretty much all caught up. So now I just want to jump into my experience of becoming homeless and living in a New York City shelter. Um, so this was back when COVID had first, like, first, first began, like, where other people in other countries were, like, catching it, and it wasn't here yet, or at least they said it wasn't here yet. Um, and they were just telling people to like, you know, be cautious. So this was when they were telling people to just be cautious. And, you know, if you go outside, spray this and spray that and clean this and clean that. Um, so around that time, um, me and my children's father, we, you know, started spending more time like on top of each other. Um, things were like already kind of like tough with us because of having, um, our kids so close, not only having our kids so close, I feel like we were young also, we were really young. Um, and I'm saying that like I'm 45 years old, but being the age that I am now, back to like thinking back to like having my son when I was 27, I just feel like, you know, there's so many years in between 27 and 32 where you just kind of like figure things out more of like, who I am, what I like and what I don't like, and just things that serve my soul, you know? So I feel like back then I was young and I was still kind of figuring myself out and I had, you know, we had kids. Um, so things were kind of like rough, like rough around the edges back then when we had first had my oldest, which is my son. And then, you know, COVID happened and then we were like stuck in the house with each other. Um, and if you, even people who you love and who you know, like you're correctly matched with being on top of one another and not having space to do the normal functions of your everyday life, like go for a walk or, um, just even stay like, you know, staying, hanging out with your friends or just your normal everyday things. Like we were stuck inside the house on top of each other without a break, um, this was not good for anyone's mental health, not even single people who were, you know, just like used to like having space to do whatever or like having the time to do whatever or having, you know, the ability to like go out and hang out with friends or, you know, just everyone had like such a hard time during COVID with their mental stability and like just mental health, period. So we were just stuck on like in the house on top of each other and it just wasn't good for the relationship it wasn't good for the kids we were fighting all the time and um I think he had finally said you know like enough is enough like this is not working and and I was just in agreement. I was like you're right it's not working like we're fighting more than you know we're able to discuss anything like we're just 
everything started a fight. Like, why are you breathing so hard? <laughs> like, you know, like when you're stuck with somebody like all the time, it's just like the little things annoy you. Like you're breathing really hard or you're breathing mad loud and I'm over here trying to read a book and you <laughs> or like, you know, you're on the game 24 seven and I can't hear and I can't think like it was just craziness. Um, so when we had both finally like, you know, decided to call it quits, um, I said, okay, this is your house, you know, this is your space, so I'll respect that and I'll get my things and I'll go. And naturally, I, um, I took my kids with me. They were my babies, you know, um, not to say that they weren't his kids, but as a mom, when you give birth to a child, like there's just, it's really hard to like separate um, not only that, I think my youngest, she was like still halfway on the boob and halfway on the bottle. Like it was just, <laughs> it was a lot going on with the babies back then. They were all in diapers, like, you know, um, so I took my kids with me. Um, and I think like I, I stayed at my dad's for maybe, I don't even want to say it was a full month. Um, naturally when I took my kids to my dad's, I felt like I was invading in his space, which I was, um. But as a parent, God rest his soul, he was so loving and just like, you know, come on here to you figure out what you're going to do. And um, I think I was there for like maybe, I want to say two and a half, three weeks. And I decided like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to start from scratch. Like I'm going to have to go to a homeless shelter and um, go through that and see, you know, where it will take me or how it will help me. Um and I just want to mention that this was triggering for me, like deciding to go to a shelter because when I was three years old, um, my birth mom actually was in a shelter with me and uh, my older brother. And I just had memories of, you know, being in that shelter. Shelters were different back then, though. Um, so I had memories of like being in that experience and you know, just knowing what I was going to go through, I just, it was triggering for me. But I decided that that was the best situation that I could give myself because at the time I had three small babies and there was no way that I could work full time and pay for, like, it just, it economically and every other type of way, like, it was the best decision for me. Um... So, yeah, I told my father, I said, you know, I'm going to go to the shelter. And he didn't really want me to go. Um, but I kind of explained it to him, like, this is the best option for me. This is the only way that I can really get on my feet on, like, my own time without, like, being a disruptance to him and his life. And, um, well, he didn't say that I was a disturbing, like, you know, presence to his life. But I felt that I was. Um, so when I explained it to him, he just, you know, he said, okay, I'll support you through it. And, um, my sister was there and her fiance was there and everybody was just like, okay, well, this is, this, this is what we're doing. Then let's go, Liana, you know? And, um, I remember going down to path. Now path is in the Bronx. This is where like, basically it's like a central 
place to like if you need shelter like that's like your first starting point if you have like kids or if you don't have kids but you're married like for families that is like your starting point so I went all the way to the Bronx and I gave them um you know like you fill out this form and you let them know like why are you homeless and I basically told them like you know I I'm homeless because of A, B, and C, and this is why I'm here. And from that point, I gave them that paper. I waited about, I want to say, nine to ten hours. Yes, nine to ten hours. And as I was waiting, what happened was I waited nine to ten hours, then someone called me, and they're like, okay, well, um, we've assigned you a shelter. Go back into PATH and um, go downstairs and they'll either take you to the shelter or they'll give you the address and you can drive there by yourself. So now at that point, I was driving my minivan. I put all my stuff in my minivan and me and my, you know, me and my kids and I drove down the path. So when I went downstairs, I got my address and then... Um, I drove to the shelter. Now the shelter that I had driven to at that time because of COVID, they didn't have people in like group shelters. Like everyone had to be separated. And most of the time you were assigned like some sort of like hotel room. Now, when I say hotel room, don't have it in your, like I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Like you were living in a nice comfy hotel. No, mm -mm, no honey. They put us in the most run-down, bug-infested, mice-infested shelters that they could possibly find. Why? Because they were cheap. So the city just, you know, listen, I'm not complaining because I did what I had to do, but it was, like, hard. Like, when I got to that shelter and I saw the condition that the room was in, I left. I said, I can't do this. I'm like, this is too crazy, and um, I left and I actually went to my kid's father's house and I explained to him exactly what was going on and what I was trying to do. And naturally he was unsupportive. He was just like, oh, well, you shouldn't have been there in the first place and that's no place to have kids and blah, blah, blah and all this other stuff. Um, the next morning that I woke up, I realized like I had made the wrong decision by leaving. And I said to myself, like, nothing that is ever going to be worth having is going to be easy. So this is going to be like an uphill battle, but I feel like it's something that I need to do. Otherwise, I'm never going to have my own independence. Um, so I think like a day or two later, I got my stuff together again and I went right back. But this time I didn't tell anybody and I just went back and... Um, I think I told my sister and her fiance, I told them and I told my dad and, um, I went back and this time they placed me right back in the same shelter. Cause if you're out, if you're logged out of the shelter for more than 24 hours, or I think more than 48 hours, you have to like go right back to path, redo the whole process over again. So they put me back in the same shelter. Now, when I had got there, oh my God, I think I put clean sheets on the bed, I put clean sheets on my youngest. She was like really young at that point. So I put clean sheets on her crib and I put my kids to sleep. I remember like going into the bathroom and just sobbing all night long. Like I sobbed, 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 sobbed because I hated the situation that I was in. Um, and I think 
the next day that I woke up, I kind of just got up and I was just like, you know what? It's no reason in crying. I'm already here. I might as well make the best of it. I cleaned so thoroughly. <laughs> I cleaned for like two days straight. Like I scrubbed every inch of that hotel room. I, um, I bleached. I used Fabuloso. I love Fabuloso. Even still to this day, um, I still use it in my house. <laughs> um, I just like I cleaned thoroughly, um, and then I found the nearest you know grocery store that I could go to, and um, yeah, I like trekked it to the grocery store. Um, one kid holding the stroller, two kids sitting in the one seat stroller. Like I just I did what I had to do to make it work. Now this was like the I believe this was the hardest time of my life. Like, I have never been in such a trying situation in my life. And I've gone through some things. Um, this was, like, the hardest, you know? Like, being there by myself and um, just trying. At that point, I just wanted to do it on my own. Like, I could have called my dad every day I needed to go shopping. Or I could have called my sister every day, every day that I needed to, you know, go do laundry. But I felt like... This was a time that God was really just trying to express to me and show show me like just how much strength that I did have. And I really just wanted to rely on myself. I really, really was like craving for independence at this time. Um, so yeah, anytime I needed to go to the grocery store, like I said, I had my single stroller with two kids inside the single stroller and one kid like holding on and me holding the hand, like, you know, like, and I just made it work. I just did what I had to do to make it work. Um, so yeah, now the process of the shelter, once I got there, that wasn't my, um, my permanent shelter. So the way that it worked was because we were in COVID, everyone had their own separate rooms. And then that same, the next day that after I was processed, the next day I had to meet with um, my housing specialist, um, and then my caseworker, um, and they explained to me like, Hey, you're here for now, but, um, this is like temporary. If you haven't been approved for shelter, you have to, you know, keep applying and go through, you know, that, uh, process in its own self while you're also, um, you know, meeting with us once a week or meeting with us however often and doing the process here. So just to make it clear, they put me in a temporary shelter and they approved me for shelter for 10 days. They do this as a way to keep you off the street while you're trying to get approved for permanent shelter. So every 10 days, I basically had to call DHS and apply for shelter. Um, the reason they had denied me for shelter was because they said that I could go back and live with my dad. Now, obviously I couldn't go back and live with my dad. My dad lived in a one bedroom apartment and it was myself, my three kids and him. Like there was just no space. I could not stay there. Um, so I explained to them like, hey, I can't go back there, you know? And um, I need shelter. Now I did this process for I don't know how many months. I think maybe seven months. Seven months I did this process till they finally had approved me for permanent shelter. 
Now, in between the time when they approved me for permanent shelter, I had lived in two different shelters. Um, so what happens often is that if a shelter is being run under a certain company, sometimes other companies buy, buy them out or maybe the company that's running the shelter doesn't want to run it anymore. So they sell or just different things like different things happen where, um, the owners of the shelter or whatever company is running or whatever company is running the shelter may change. So in doing this, they also pick up people that are living in the shelter and then reassign them to a new shelter. So basically like uprooting your life over and over again. So that happened to me twice. And in the second shelter that I was in, they had finally approved me for permanent shelter. And when they approved me for permanent shelter, literally like a week later, somebody took over that shelter. So a week later, I had to move into a new shelter, but this was my permanent shelter. So most of the shelters that I, were in, that I was in had one large like king size bed. And then it also had like a crib for my youngest because she couldn't sleep in the bed with us. Um, so this new permanent shelter now had um, two sets of bunk beds and a crib and a toddler bed. So the toddler bed was for my middle child and then the crib was for my youngest and then the bunk beds were obviously for me and my son. So in this shelter, it also had um, like a stovetop, like a flat top stovetop, like an electric stovetop. And then um, it also had like a large full-size refrigerator and it also had um, a large full-size shower and you know its own like bathroom um and the shelters that i was living in before it was like a hotel room so it had like a mini fridge no nothing to cook on and then the microwaves weren't in the room like you had to go out into the lobby and like microwave your food and things like that um so this permanent shelter was like the best like it was the best compared to everything else that i had been dealing with um, and I had mentioned before that my kids have like dietary like restrictions because of things that they can and can't eat. So um, most of the time what I was doing was um, I was like going to like Walmart or like going to like the grocery store and buying like um, microwave packs of rice and um, like chicken selects that you could like throw in the microwave and I was eating those and I was also buying like the rotisserie chickens that were already cooked and I was eating those with like the microwave rice and then bags of salad for vegetables and like cucumbers things that I could cook like without having to actually cook and still getting a balanced meal because the shelter food oh man everything is frozen it's like tv dinners everything is frozen Everything is like either you take it and you put it in a microwave or you eat it cold. Like there was no like balanced meals. And I want to say that in saying like you're giving me chicken, corn and like frozen potatoes. Like that's not come on, man. That's and those potatoes aren't even real potatoes. They're like the instant potatoes that they that somebody cooked and then put it in like the free. Like it was just horrible. Um, so when I moved to my permanent shelter, obviously like I was like elated. I'm like, oh my God, there's a stovetop I can cook. There's like a refrigerator. I can like fill up the refrigerator and I can like have real balanced meals. We started eating spaghetti. We started eating like 
um, chicken and rice and the string beans. And like, we just started eating again. So that was like, so that was like one of the good memories that I remember about, um, moving into my permanent shelter. And, um, yeah, from there I had found my apartment. Um, actually DHS had contacted me in my previous shelter, like right after I got approved for permanent shelter. And then the week later I had to move. So in that week, after I was approved for a permanent shelter, DHS had actually contacted me and said, hey, we have an apartment, it's in the Bronx, um, you know, do you want it? And in my mind at that time, I'm like, oh man, the Bronx is so far, I don't know anything about the Bronx. I'm like, from Queens, that's where everyone that I know lives. Like, I don't know anything about the Bronx. I can't. And then I just asked them, I was just like, can I have time to think about it? And they were like, yeah, you can take some time to think about it, but don't take too long because then, you know, they'll give the apartment away. Um, so from the week that I had got approved for shelter and they brought the apartment to me to the time where I moved into my permanent shelter, I had finally like I prayed on it. I slept on it and I said, you know what? I'm going to take it like anything is better than being stuck in this shelter. Like every time. I'm here at night and like I hear loud music or I hear people like talking in the hallway and it's just like I'm I just want to you know relax my kids are finally sleeping I just need a quiet minute and I couldn't get that quiet minute I said you know what I'm gonna take the apartment I'm gonna get out of the shelter and um with the program that I have I'm like I can you know figure out what I what I'm gonna do next at that time I thought that I had city feps and City Feps was brand new back then. Um, this was like something that they came up with because so many people were in homeless shelters because of COVID. Like so many people lost their jobs. So many people's businesses went under. Um, so they had come up with City Feps to kind of like give people an option or an easier option of, you know, getting back on your feet and, you know, getting back into the groove of things. Um, so when I had went to go see the place, um, and I decided like, yeah, I was going to take it. I signed all the paperwork and everything like that. And I still had the waiting process. Now, once you're in a shelter, everything has to go through HRA and whatever, um, whatever your, uh, voucher is. Everything goes through the voucher and then through HRA and then through DHS. So once I decided I was going to take the apartment, I went to go look at it and I signed papers saying like, hey, yeah, I want this. Um, I came back to my shelter and my caseworker, my new caseworker now, she was very like lazy, just real lazy. Um, and then when you know, during my intake process and she saw that I was on top of things and I knew what I needed to do and then I had all my paperwork, she's just like, oh, you're really all together. I'm like, yeah, this is the third time. This is the third shelter. I already know what to do. Um, so she was just very, very lackadaisical, very, very relaxed and non, you know, just not really caring about my situation. So when I noticed that, um, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to get myself out of here. I've been through this situation so many times that I know who I need to talk to and I know what I need to do. So um, 
Once I saw the apartment, I went to my housing specialist and I said, hey, I saw this apartment, I signed this paperwork and I need you to give me this paperwork so I could sign it and you could process it and send it through um, HRA. So my housing specialist was like, wow, you, you did all this already? I said, I sure did. And then, you know, I just made sure to stay on top of her because I know exactly how long it should have taken to process the work, you know, the paperwork that I had signed with her and how, you know, where, it, where I should have been at in the process. Um, and naturally she didn't do what she was supposed to do either. So I got on top of it and, um, I called HRA to figure out what they had received already. And then I went back down to my housing specialist and I said, Hey, I signed this with you. However many days ago, it should have already been sent over to HRA. I called HRA. They said they don't have it. So then she went on to send her paperwork and everything was, um, sent and, um, then I saw like, you know, checks being processed on my HRA app and things of that nature. So the last step was me going to get my keys, right? Or my housing specialist going to get my keys and bringing them to me. Um, she, like I said, she was very, very relaxed, very lazy, didn't go to get the keys. So I called up my property manager and I'm like, hey, I see that checks have been cut already. Um, I was just wondering, you know, how long before I received the keys and she's like, oh, well, you know, your housing specialist is supposed to blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, yeah, I'm able to do that for you if you need me to. So I took a screenshot of the checks that were going to be processed and I sent it to my property manager for my new apartment. And she said, oh, okay, you can come and get your keys right now. And I said, okay, I drove all the way to the Bronx and I got my keys child. And you better believe that I was fully packed by morning. When I say I was fully packed, my van was packed to the rim with all the food. I didn't leave no food behind, all my sheets, my dirty laundry, my clean laundry, everything. Every, every single item that I had owned in that shelter was packed in my van. And the next morning, I went downstairs and I spoke to my caseworker. I spoke to my housing specialist and I just let them know. I said, hey, I'm leaving. And she, they're like, you're leaving? I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving. She's like, well, you didn't even get your keys. I said, yes, I got my keys yesterday. And they were like so baffled. I'm like, you guys are sitting on your behind waiting for things to get done because you live in a, ho you live in a house or an apartment and you're fine and you're comfortable. I'm not comfortable in this shelter and I'm ready to go. So I went up and I did what I needed to do. I called who I needed to call and I got all my, th my things processed on my own and I am leaving. And everybody was just so happy. Oh, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, save it. Thank you, thanks. I did everything on my own. You guys were no help. Um, <laughs> so that day I drove to the Bronx and I moved into my new apartment. I moved into my new apartment. My sister was there also. Um, <laughs> it's a funny thing because the kids were with their dad, I believe. And um, I went to Walmart. I picked up all of like uh, my furniture. I bought a lot of, listen, do not sleep on Walmart. Okay. Like if you're in a tight bind and you need furniture, Walmart is the place to go. I went and I got, I got a couch. I got three beds. I got three TVs for, I believe like $1,200. Yeah. 
I did all of that. And um, I also bought a table too. And um, I bought all that furniture. I packed it in my van. I called my sister. I called my dad. I called my uncle. They all came and everybody drove out into the Bronx and everybody's like putting furniture together and like, you know, just helping me get um, my place settled. And then I believe I went and picked up my kids and then brought them um, back to the Bronx to our new home. And they were so excited. They were running around. They were so elated that we <laughs> were out of, they called it the hotels. Um, I never called it a shelter to them. Um, I don't know why I think the name itself just brought back so many bad memories for me that I just didn't want to call it a shelter. We just call it the hotel. Um, and they were so just excited and happy and it was a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work and a lot of pushing, a lot of pushing myself to just, you know, keep fighting for the things that I knew that I needed and for the things that I knew that I needed for my kids, you know? Um, so yeah, that was like my shelter experience. Now, I did not get into like the knit and grit of things. Um, maybe we'll say that for another episode, but like, you know, the, all those experiences weren't always good. You know, there were some nights where like some crazy things happened, police were called and things like that. Um, grateful that most of the time when those things happened, my kids were asleep. But um, again, like if you're in a shelter right now or if you've been in a shelter, I just want to tell you to just stay positive. Like I know it's so hard and I know things are so trying and I know like um, caseworkers or even housing specialists can be lazy. Push past. You know, push past, do your research and find out who you need to call and who, what you need to do to get to where you need to go because nobody's going to want this more than you, you know? Um, that was my experience um, in the New York City shelter system. Thank God that I'm not there anymore. Um, and like I said, if you are, keep pushing. Just keep pushing and keep going no matter what you do. Just don't stop because you'll get there. And when you do, it's going to feel glorious. So, so good. And for those of you that are on your way, I'm rooting for you. Okay. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening.